Praise God. Praise God. Aren't those great pictures? Amen. Well, praise God. Get your Bibles out this morning. Now, before I get into this message, a few things I want to tell you. First of all, this morning, I want you to know I'm not mad. So if you hear anything coming out of me this morning, it's passion, okay? I'm not mad. Not mad at anybody. Other thing I want to commend y'all on is, uh, and you'll hear through this message, and I don't think I'll finish this this week because I want us to have a, a good time for communion, but uh, uh, I'll be giving you some statistics and all, but I want you to know that what I've researched, and you know, I don't want to just make things up. I've always known this. I've listened to when uh, like uh, Brother Ivan's in here or, 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 or Pastor Wynn's in here or something and they're preaching. You know, they go to all, a lot of churches. They always tell us that as a church that we're exceptional. And you are. I believe that you people are exceptional. Those of you that, uh, you know, Living Waters Church is your home and your givers and we've rescued orphans and widows and, you know, working on multiple countries and a church is blessed and they were preaching the word and y'all are receiving the word and you're taking the word in and you're changing and you're, you know, I mean, y'all, y'all literally are in the top 5% of the church world. So I'm going to preach this message this morning and, and, and you're, you know, I don't want you to think I'm preaching to the choir. Hello? But I want to give you information, and I may do it in a forceful way because I'm very passionate about this. And I may say some things and don't think, well, pastor's beating us all up. He don't even think we're saved, you know, because that's not the the, the case, right? It's not the case with y'all. But y'all need this information. You need to hear what I'm going to say this morning. Everyone out there watching, you need this information because you need to be able to take it and you need to be able to preach it to somebody else. Okay, so, you know, before the, 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 the coronavirus stuff came up, you know, we were running, you know, we were going to, my dream was, is that we were going to crest over 200 this year on a continual basis, and we were going to be pushing our way to 300 people in church, 360 chairs in here. I was expecting to fill this thing up, and by the end of this year, 2020, we would be trying to figure out if we needed to build a new building or what we were going to do. That was what my plan was. That's what I felt in my heart. So by April, there's nobody in church. (laughs) We have to hang a poster on the back with people's faces for me to have anything to see. So you can say that just absolutely went the totally opposite way that I had ever imagined it would be. But the, the broadcast picked up and people were listening to the broadcast. And then one thing happened, and I'm sure that somebody shared it with somebody else. And so now... You know, the broadcast between YouTube and Facebook and what's going on, you're hitting somewhere between four to 700 hits uh, uh, or views in, in, in a service. And so, you know, praise God, if you look at that as numbers, you know, well, then, wow, the church is bigger than we could have gotten in here. But I really am believing after today's message, let's just I want to set the, the bar at 400. We're influencing 400 people. Well, I really want to see it go to 800 by next week. And by next week, I want it to see it go to 16. And the reason why is because this information has to get shared. We have to do something. We have to stand up. It's now's the time to beat the war drum. Now it's the time to ring, ring the bell. Now is the time to stand up and say, what in the world's going on? This is where we better go, okay? So this morning, I'm coming to church, and I'm coming down our county road, and a squirrel runs out in front of me. I'm praying. I'm talking to the Lord. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just coming down there saying, Lord, you know, come on, Holy Ghost, be with me today as I'm going to preach later to go out. You know, I'm just praying, praying over the people, praying y'all everybody's going to come, praying they're going to listen. And this stupid squirrel runs out in front of me, okay? And it was one of these squirrels that couldn't make a decision, right? 
And so I'm coming down the road and the squirrel, you know, he's going to go left, right, left, right, left, right, right, left. And he's just going back and forth faster and faster. And I'm like, just go somewhere. <laughs> and I know you think I ran over it. I didn't. I slowed down. But I mean, I'm, I can't, I would have had to slid, slid right up there and cut it sideways <coughs> to miss the squirrel. And he won't make a decision. And so finally, you know, I had to go over him. And I look in the rearview mirror, and I didn't run over him. He finally made a decision, probably under the truck, between the tires. <laughs> right? Like, no, he could have. If he had just, he had all the room in the world to just run across the road. But he didn't do it. And I, and I said, man, I said, look at that stupid squirrel. And the Lord says, just like a lot of Christians, they don't know what to do today. And so you give them some directions. So I'm giving you some directions this morning, okay? Now, a few numbers here. There's... Roughly, y'all don't hold me to all my figures exactly. Don't, get, don't write me a letter and say, well, it's not 15%. It's really, you know, 16.2. Don't give me that. I'm rounding everything around, okay? There's roughly 320 million people in America, okay? That's what the, that's what the population of the United States is, 320 million, give or take a few hundred thousand, okay? 320 million people in the United States, 240 million. 240 million say they're Christians. That it means that there is three quarters of this nation is a Christian nation. Three quarters of this nation should be believing that the Bible is true, that Jesus is Lord, that God is real, that Jesus is coming back for his church, the rapture is going to happen, that, that, that the, all the principles of faith in the Bible are true. 240 million, three quarters of the population of the United States should be standing up and waving the Christian flag and saying, God bless America. But yet we have allowed a quarter, a quarter of the people, which probably aren't all the whole quarter, to stand up and influence this nation into a place, Christy, put my picture up, that ends up with a picture like this in the headlines of people standing in the streets, burning Bibles and American flags. Now I want to ask you a question. Does that picture belong in 2020 or does that picture really belong in 1939 in Nazi Germany? Why are they burning the Bible? I can understand the flag, but oh, let's throw in some Bibles. Bibles? Didn't burn the Koran. Didn't burn Buddha statues. Didn't go tear out every Chinese restaurant and bring the little Buddha out and put him out there in the front of them and burn a Buddha. No, no, no. They went and got Bibles, piled them up, burned them out there in the middle of the street as a protest. Oh, it's a peaceful protest, though. You know, it's a peaceful protest. And what did we do as Christians? Well, we pray. The problem with, our, with Christians are, and y'all just love me. The problem with Christians are it's the first protest you make is you're, you go out. You've had enough. You've had enough. So you buy a T-shirt and the T-shirt says, Jesus loves you. And you wear the T-shirt around. This will show them. <laughs> Jesus loves you. So that didn't work too good. So then you're going to go more radical. You buy another T-shirt and it says, you need a hug. And we think we're really tearing it up. 
I mean, we are protesting because we're supposed to be sharing the love of God. And, uh, and the attitude we've taken is we're, we're sharing the love of God and we want to be nice and sweet to y'all. And so we don't want to, you know, we don't want to get violent and offend. And we're not going to burn Bibles and burn things. And, you know, we're not going to do this. And, and so we're loving you. And, and so, you know, uh, uh. and so the others provoked and stirred by the devil just do whatever they want to. And run over the top of Christians when there's 240 million of us that ought to stand up and say. Let me give you a few of the sickening things and then I'll get into where I'm headed. Sorry to have to give you all this stuff. June the 25th, 1962, Supreme Court made a decision that we would remove God from public schools. Why didn't 240,000 people stand up in front, I mean, million people stand up in front of the Supreme Court and saying the 240 million do not want, do not accept the decision the nine made? Well, but we don't do that because we just have a system and we go through the system and this is what they said. And so we'll just pray. Well, I want to tell you all something. I'm pretty sure that I can stand here with with with. Uh, confidence and say something's wrong because if 240 million earnestly prayed God would move but I say the 240 million we're too busy wrestling and fighting around about you know how how much water we're going to use in baptisms how much you know they didn't really do it or oh they're too loud in service or they clap we're more reverent we don't do that we don't have that kind of music we do this kind of music we do this the devil's got us chasing ourselves Around and around so that us Christians become ineffective because we don't have any formation of understanding that we need to be upholding the word of God and Jesus Christ and saying, if it doesn't line up with this, then bless the Lord. We're not going to go that direction. So we took prayer out of public schools. You can find articles on this. Go search it. You can find articles on this all over the place where right now in the northern, some of the northern states, it's mandatory that the children in school have to learn the five pillars of Islam as a part of the projects that are going on. That it's that the Quran is being used and Islam is being put into public schools, that our government right now is supporting public schools, not public schools, private schools to, to, to teach nothing but the Quran. But, oh, don't put God in there. Oh, don't put the Bible in there. <gasps> don't put the Bible in there. We need to get rid of these things. Burn these things. They're terrible. It's sad, folks. It's really sad. How about uh, January 22nd, 1973? I picked these dates out and these things because it's happened in my life. 73, Roe versus Wade. Where were the 240 million Christians that could have gone down there and stood up and said, no, this is not going to go. This is not right. We didn't do anything. How about uh, 2003 when we did the same-sex marriage? Oh, but the one that got me here just recently. Whoo! Just boiled my blood. I had to give a deposition under oath. And they said, do you swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth? And I looked at them and I said, so help me God? Oh, well, we don't say that anymore. Started checking that out. In 2019, that was taken out of our court system. No longer is a person sworn in with God involved because they didn't want to offend anybody who might not believe in the Judeo-Christian God. So we wanted to remove that. Now, I experienced that for myself. And I said, well, in the name of God, and everybody in their eyes darted and everybody looked like I had 
you know, said something horrible and they went to running and looking and looking at each other like, oh, God, what's going to happen? Is the room going to come down? I thought I wish it would. Wish it would just fall down on top of y'all right now. This ain't right. This ain't right. This ain't right. This ain't right. Oh, oh, but, you know, people are such good citizens. You don't have to use God's name in there. You know, they'll just do what they said. So I tell us that we're I tell you this morning that we're, you know, less than 100 days from an election. And I want to tell you all this morning, I'm not up here to, 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 to push politics. It's not my job. My job is to tell you what the word of God says and where Jesus is going, what, what he's telling the church to do. That's my job. I'm not being Democrat and I'm not being Republican. I'm, I'm being a, a man of God this morning. OK, but I'm telling you the truth. I believe with all of my heart that America's hanging in the balances of becoming from a sheep nation going to a goat nation. Let's read it. Matthew 25, 31. Matthew 25, 31. Jesus is speaking and he says, when the son of man comes in his glory and all of his holy angels with him, then he will sit down on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him. All the nations, it says, will be gathered before him. And he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. He'll set the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry and he gave me food. I was thirsty and he gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer and say, Lord, when did you see you hungry and feed you or thirsty or give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger take you in or, or, or naked and clothe you? Or when do you see the sick in, or in, in prison and come to you? And then the king's going to answer, surely I say unto you, as, in, as much as you've done unto the least of one of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. Then he'll also say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. I was naked and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will answer and say, well, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger, naked or sick in prison and did not minister to you? Then they will answer unto them, surely I say unto you as much as you did it, not unto the least one of these, my brother. You've, you did not do it unto me. And then they're going to go away into everlasting punishment. But the righteous into eternal life. That's the difference between sheep nations and goat nations. All right. The first thing you can see here is a sheep nation has the spirit of Christ on them without even realizing it. A sheep nation or have people in the nation who just love people, help people, bless people. I believe if you check statistics, you'd see the United States has helped more countries, helped more nations, helped more people than any other nation on the face of the earth. Hello? Americans are known to be generous people. People do it. Well, why, why not? If 240 million of us have Christ in us, you should be just emitting the nature and the spirit of Christ. The second thing is, is that, that sheep nation, they care about people. Have you realized today that that all the orchestrators of all of this stuff going on, you see, you have to understand something, church. They, the, the, the world wants us to think that everything going on with the coronavirus and all the things like that, that they're trying to save us. But the real truth of the matter, and I'm just going to say it, and you can just go check it out. But I'm telling you, how many of y'all ever seen the movie, The, the Wizard of Oz? Huh? The old movie, Wizard of Oz, right? 
where there's a great and powerful laws. Right. But really, he's this guy behind the curtain, pulling all the levers, making all that go. Let me tell you something. There's somebody out there pulling the levers. There's somebody out there behind the curtain. There's something else going on out there than what we see out front. It ain't the truth. And those people don't care about people. They say they care about people, but they don't care that they crash the economy. They don't care that they hurt people. They don't care that domestic violence is off of the chart, that child abuse is off of the chart because kids aren't going to school. Kids aren't having any interaction with anything, that there is more domestic violence than has ever taken place in the United States now because people are trapped at home. They don't know what to do. They're full of fear. They've got no answers. They've got no direction because it's not coming from anybody. And they want it to happen. And I say, "Woo! this is where I kind of get tipped. I'm tipping on the edge, getting mad because this is where I say that person needs to be just taken out and beat with a wet rope. All right. I mean, I said it. Those people are wicked. Those people are making money. It's real interesting to me that the wealthiest men in the, fa- on, uh, in the United States are getting wealthier by the second right now while everybody else is trying to figure out how to put food on the table. And then they want to say, oh, but we're doing, you know, we're trying to help y'all. I don't believe it. I don't believe it's the truth because you know why? They don't have the heart of people in their their hearts. All right. Sheep nations are not greedy for money. How many of us Americans, listen, we have poured out. You were one of the greatest churches in the world as far as giving and tithes and blessing other people, not taking it for yourself. Because you know God's promises, you know God's principles, and you want to see those go out. You, you, You folks here are some of the greatest on the face of the earth. And it's true with most Americans, we will give. Hello? A sheep nation, okay, the fourth thing is, sheep nation are kingdom people. They see the big picture. When I stand in here this morning and I look around at all the, our, our new church members, we've got babies around here. You know, we, we breed them in here, man, have babies in here. <laughs> that we're going to indoctrinate to believe the word of God and, you know, Jesus is true and we're going we're gonna to get them. Hello. And I look around and say, man, what I've already been through when I, I see young men who now have children were little kids when I started pastoring because I've been pastoring for 27 years. So, I mean, I've already seen little kids having families and growing in there. But what about their children and their children's children? What are we going to leave as a legacy in the United States for everybody. Oh, a bunch of group of people that want to go burn Bibles. And is that where we're going to go? And we're going to go into socialism. Let me tell you something, church. Socialism. God is not a socialist. God is not a communist. You know why? Because God, God said and Jesus said that what a man's given, then he has responsibility to do something with. Socialism and communism takes from who, what somebody else has and gives it to somebody else. And the last time I checked, that fell under the Ten Commandments as stealing. Let's call it what it is. If a rich man wants to give up his wealth to give to somebody else, that's called giving. If somebody demands you that it's got to come from you, that's called stealing. Whoo! I'm preaching really good. I'm telling you the truth this morning. I mean, God's word, you can't just sit back and say, oh, Jesus will love them. Let's just pray for them. I'm going to tell you something. You got to get out there. You got to start telling people. So you need to wake up. The title of this message, I didn't even tell you that. I got to look back up because I changed it about 15 times. Is wake up, rise up and pray. Okay. But we got to wake up and rise up. We got to, as Christians, we got to wake up and we got to rise up. All right. We've got to. We've got to be able to tell people what's going on, because the the, the next part of that, that 
makes the difference between a sheep nation and a goat nation is do they support Israel? Think about this. He says, you've taken care of the least of one of these, my brother. And what was Jesus? He was Jewish. I've said this to so many people. People come and say, well, I don't know about the Jews, this and that. And yeah, I said, listen, leave the Jews alone. Pray for them. Let God deal with them. And you don't get in the middle of it. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to pray for them. Okay. But nations that would recognize Jerusalem and, and Israel. Do you know that when President Trump decided to make the uh, embassy and recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, the world went into craziness. And only nine people in all the United Nations voted in agreement with us. I have those nine names here. Okay? The nine countries that voted in agreement with us. The first one was Guatemala. Praise God for Guatemala. Second one was Honduras. The third, no question, was Israel. Now listen to these. The fourth one is the Marshall Islands. The fifth one was Micronesia. The sixth and the seventh, I have never heard of in my life. I don't even know. N-A-U-R-U. Nauru. You're shaking your head like you've heard that before. You have. It really is a country. How about this one? P-A-L-A-U. Palau or Palau? Palau? Where's Palau? What I'm saying to you is they're pretty small countries. Then we have Togo. So I got, I got two countries I've never heard of over here, and I can guarantee four of those. I cannot find you on a map, right? That's the only ones that stood with us. 35 of them abstained. 35 countries abstained, and 128 voted against us, which was... Great Britain, Russia, Sweden, Denmark, China, of course, all the ones that you, all the big nations of the world stood against us on the move. You don't think that that right there kind of reveals sheep and goat nations? Like it just opened it up and said, wow, you just played your cards. We saw what you had in your hand. You see, you folks, we're kind of going at this alone. There's a point I'm trying to make here. We're going at this really alone because when you look at that, we've had Guatemala, Honduras, God bless them, but they're not really large industrious country that are going to send their armies to help us. You're talking about Israel. I mean, they can handle their own. Okay, but these other countries, they don't even know where they are. So basically every other powerful country stood against us. I've told you all this before. I'm going to say it again. One of the reasons why I love President Trump is because he irritates the other side. That's my main deal. Because he irritates them, I'm for him. I mean, I don't even know sometimes what's right, but he irritates them. I'm again, and then this, this situation, if everybody else of the goat nations are against us, well, then we must be doing what a sheep nation should do. I mean, it's a kind of a hard way to figure things out, but at least I can say, well, praise God. Are y'all with me? But I'm telling you, we're on the precipice of this nation either becoming a from going from a sheep nation to a goat nation if we don't stand up and do something. If we don't get up and do something. Now, I know we have a, a voting system and we have a, 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 a republic, a democratic republic, and we're supposed to vote in people who have sense that then they will vote and lead and guide according to what we want. And I'm telling you, I don't understand why we sit around and gripe and complain about 
congressmen. They should be voted out. But you know what? Every time the election comes around, nobody goes out and votes. Do you know that in 1880, 1880s election, there was 83% of the population in the United States voted? You know how many vote today? Somewhere between 45 and 50% of all is all the people that even vote in the United States today. Okay, so three quarters of us have got the upper hand, but only 50% is voting. And more of them are voting because they're more passionate to go get something done. So the elect officials, they put them all up and they say, oh, well, wouldn't that be nice? Let's just, let's just run this person up in them because they're so different. And we want to show that we're, we're, we're really a nice people. Because what happens is if you ever stand up and say anything about anybody, well, then you're a racist, a xenophobe, a homophobe, or whatever phobe. You're a phobe, a phobe, a phobe. And that's what you are. You're accused of if you disagree with whatever they say. It's ridiculous. It's gotten vicious. It's gotten, it's gotten really ugly. And none of that is the spirit of Christ. And I want to tell you something. None of it has anything to do about helping people. It all has about to do to push the person's agenda who's behind the curtain to get what they want, which the bottom line is power and money. They do not care about people. And if Christians don't wake up and do something, we're going to end up being a goat nation one day and get shoved out over on the left hand side. And I don't want to be associated with a goat nation. What we got to do is we got to take this message. We got to take this information and you have to go find somebody else. You can get it them in, get it to get it in them. So that then they can take it to them, somebody in there, so we can get the ripple effect going so we can go from four to eight to 16 to just keep multiplying till we can get a greater influence over people that will hear the word of God and the truth of God's word. But listen to me. Let me tell you how rare this message is today. All right. I, I saw a, 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 some statistics and I find them hard to believe. But they basically said that only two percent of a pastor's preaching in America today, has anything to do with Jesus coming back, any prophetic scriptures, or anything that would tell people that, that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. Only 2% of their preaching. Only 2%. Because pastors this day don't want to preach because they're also scared that something's going to happen to them and they're going to get, you know, uh, uh, lose members or whatever, that they're preaching messages tailored to the people to just make like good citizens. Not on fire, Holy Ghost, tongue-talking, crazy Christians. Bible-beaten, flag-waving Christians. So I, when I read that, I was grieved. I was like, oh, my gosh. And then all of a sudden, I felt good. Because I'm like, man, if you haven't figured this out at this church, then you're deaf. You're something wrong with you because I've been preaching this kind of stuff forever, okay? This is not my first rodeo, right? And, and you're here because that's where your heart is. So that's why I said, don't think, don't think I'm beating y'all up this morning. I'm just telling you, we got to get the message out. You got to carry the message out. We got to take the, you know, three or 400 people that are actually watching the broadcast listing here and get it out to more because those people don't know apparently Apparently, ain't nobody got any idea what's going on. They're sitting around saying, isn't that a shame? But the problem is the lust of the flesh and the pride of life 
It's all the cares of the world's all consuming people. And now, of course, you don't know what to do because they're screaming, oh, my God, stay in the house. Oh, but wear your mask when you're in the house. Oh, the air conditioner will get the coronavirus out. Oh, go outside the house. Oh, but don't get within six feet of somebody. Oh, God, go do this. And so nobody tells you what to do. And everybody's just coming up with all these crazy ideas and thoughts. While they're trying to say, but listen to us. And I'm like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Anybody that's raised animals got more sense than that. Know what you do. You take the sick one out of the bunch. I mean, that common sense. So anyway, what I'm trying to say to you is, isn't it interesting that everybody wants you to cover up your face? Oh, my gosh, whatever you do, don't go to church. And for heaven's sakes, if you do go to church distance, but don't sing, do not worship. Do not open your mouth and worship and say anything to God, because then you've spread the coronavirus and you're going to kill everybody in the church. And so don't worship. Worship. Oh, it's the worst thing in the world. You should not go to church. You shouldn't be should stop everybody. We should stay at home. Man, folks, listen to me. I want to serve you communion. Those of you that are here in church that want me to serve you communion. And somebody asked me, well, how are we going to do it? And I said, man, I have got to look into somebody's face. I am tired of going and, and social distancing. And do I touch you or not touch you? Or do I help you or not? Do I? Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I'd change your tire for you, but I can't because I'll have to touch your lug wrench. And then it might infect your car. So stay out here in 105 degree heat. And I'll here. Well, I'd give you some water, but I've touched the bottle. I mean, that's how crazy it's getting. They had this deal the other day, mask of the future. And they had this, you know, like this full look like Aquaman, you know, in this thing. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Has anybody ever been outside in a hundred degree heat? Can you imagine what one of those things would do to you? I think probably stick to your face. The next thing you have to be having surgery, cut that thing off. You know, it's adhered. It's melted to your skin. You know, people are at home right now, scared and, and afraid and being depleted of sunshine and relationship. We're called to have fellowship with one another. Okay? But I'm just saying to you, they're, they're pushing us away and pushing us away so they can get the plan and the agenda done and what they want to do is power of, of the, and money for them. But we're not gonna, I'm not going to let them turn this nation to a goat nation. But I just want to say, I want to stop right there for a second. Now, we live out here in the land that time forgot, you know. I mean, we're still, we know, well, you know, glory to God if we can just keep them out, right? I mean, we got it pretty well made. I mean, you know, we, we, we think about things. I'm telling you, you folks think about things that other people have never dreamed of. I mean, you're thinking about a better jerky maker, <laughs> right? Or a or, 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 or new recipe for the sausage or, you know, we, are we feeding the fatted calf right? Or, you know, I mean, you think of things that no one else is even dreaming of. OK, and so so we're different. We're, we're different out here. OK, and, and I know that all I can do is preach to y'all and we can deal with our environment right around here. And we can, you know, do this because I, my influence is not it's not that big. Right. It's, and, and it's here local. And so it's not, I don't have a national syndicated broadcast and going out all over the world. So, you know, it's, it's just what we've got here. But I want to tell you this. No matter what's going to happen, God's going to have his way. Listen to me. God is not going to get beaten by a bunch of Bible burning thugs. You, listen, God is going to have his way, church. God is, the father is going to turn to Jesus and say, go, say, go get your bride 
And it's going to happen and nothing can stop it. Nothing. No matter what it is. And if this government falls and it becomes a goat nation, I'm still worshiping God. I'm still going to stay there. And they're never going to load me on a train and take me to a concentration camp. You know what? Listen, see, folks, we don't even realize these things. You say, oh, pastor. You don't understand. I've traveled all throughout the Ukraine and Russia. I've talked to the men who saw their grand. They, 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 the, the story it was always the same. Yes, they came to the house and they took us outside. And there was my grandfather, my father and myself. They forced us to kneel into the, into the, uh, the, the snow. And they went up to my grandfather and immediately just shot him in the head. Turned to my father and said, this is what will happen to you, but we're going to send you to a concentration camp in Siberia. I never saw him again. And then they took me to prison and they tried to break me. And the reason why is because they knew the grandfather could not be doctrinized with their theory, he was not going to change. So they just shot him. Listen to me, you're not changing my thinking. No matter what goes on, God is going to take care of us and God is going to still be the God of, of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and Robert and, and David and Frankie and Darlene and whatever, whatever. He's still going to be the God that moves in our life, whether we're a goat nation or not. But as far as what our effectiveness is could be, we need to be a sheep nation because I don't want to end up with having to say I'm from the U.S. if we're a goat nation when I get before Jesus. Hello? And if we're going to effectively touch people, then we need to stay with the Internet that's free and let you preach the gospel. Okay? Isaiah 14, 24. Isaiah 14, 24 says, The Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely as I have thought, so it shall come to pass. And as I have proposed, so it shall stand. God is going to have his way. But are we going to be in agreement with God or not? That's where it all boils down to. Are we as Christians going to stand up and say, Enough's enough. Psalms 33.10 is another great scripture. Psalms 33.10 says, The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the people of no effect. The counsels of the Lord stand forever. The plans of his heart are to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people has, he has chosen as his own inheritance. The children of Israel sinned against God. And then what happened? Babylon comes in and defeats them. They're carried off into captivity for 70 years. But God was still there. He was still there. He said, told them, said, when you go into the city, seek the peace because, you know, I'll be there and I'll help you. But because of the choice of the people, that's where they ended up. I don't want to see this nation because of the bad choices we make go into the pit. I believe at this point, God can still rescue us if this 240 million people would rise up and pray earnestly and really pray. And, and what I'm going to tell you here in just a minute called repentance and we repent and pray. I really believe God could bail us out. But I don't know that they're going to do it. I don't know if they're too far gone, that they're not going to do it. Because there's so many people say, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. But they don't really believe in the Bible. They're not really trusting in God. They're just out there doing their own deal. They just tried to get them some fire insurance or they heard about God when they were a kid or whatever. But they don't really know Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection. Oh. So. Go to Acts 19. And I'm going to kind of end up here and we're going to have communion. <clears throat> now, riots are not something new. 
There was a riot in the day when Jesus preached his first message, took him out to the brow of a hill to throw him off, and he walked right through the midst of them. That was a riot. There was a riot that got Jesus and, and took him to the cross and, and, and for the, his death. That was a riot. Riots took place all the time. All right? And so I know you, good Christian people, you, you're, you're at a point you don't really know what to do because you're like me, you want to do something. All right. You want to do something. And most of you want to fight. Yeah, that's a big amen. I mean, come on. I'm glad you just said it. Yeah. Everybody else was thinking of this and want to say it. But most of you want to you're thinking you want to you want to go right. You want to burn something down. You want to show them who's boss. But the truth of the matter is we really don't want war. War is horrible. We do not want war. We don't want war in our streets. We don't want to have to get the guns out and go to shoot, and we just don't want to do that. It's not, there's nothing good about it, all right? Now, you know, in the, the American Revolution was, a, was something that had to take place and, and it had to come about, and it was horrible, and there's lots and lots and lots of suffering that went with it to get to the point to where we were a free nation. But my point is, it cost a lot. I'd rather see it done differently, Okay? But you want to know what to do. And you want to know as a Christian what to do. Okay? So Acts 19 gives us a little bit of an insight here. Acts 19, we'll look at verse 18. Paul, the Apostle Paul had gone in and they were having revival at the church at Ephesus. And it says, Many who believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted up the value of them at total, 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and it prevailed. The people had a riot, but the riot at that point was the riot of getting garbage out. When I first got saved, uh, I, we, I don't even save a short period of time, and uh, I'd read that scripture, and I was convicted about things I had in my house that didn't honor God. And so my wife was gone, and so I got a little out of hand. And I went out, and in the front yard, why I chose the front yard, I don't know. I got a grubbing hoe, and I dug me a hole. And then I went inside the house, and I started getting out everything in the house that I didn't think honored God. And I put it all in there, and I had it all piled in there. I had some books, had some other stuff, had it all in there. And then I, you know, I had some liquor bottles, and I poured the liquor all over everything. Then I set the whole thing on fire, just burning this thing. So my wife comes home, sees me stand in the yard, I've got my shotgun out because I thought, well, you know, it's like kind of like, you know, like a fiesta. And so I put some shells on, fired up my shotgun a few times. It felt like you should do it, I, you know. And uh, she sees me with a fire in the front yard shooting the shotgun off. It's like, what has happened to you? And I said, praise God, man. Jesus everywhere. I love God. I love Jesus. <laughs> and I had me a little bonfire in the front yard. You know, and then I got her into it. You got anything you want to throw? Go over there. I'll get through it. It's fun. Here, shoot the gun. <laughs> so anyway, the fire, the riot here was not a riot of trying to make somebody and or intimidate somebody to bow down to them. It was actually a riot by going into their lives and getting rid of everything that did not honor God. I believe the first place we Christians have to start, the first thing you have to do before you want to go load your gun and go out and do something is you better get out there and make sure you're right with God. You better start going through your house and getting everything out that doesn't honor God. Now, I'm going to throw a hard one on you here. 
It may not make a lot, mean a lot, no, may not make a lot of difference in the numbers, but let me ask you something. All this stupidity going on, on football and basketball and everybody's bowing their knee, this and that. You notice everybody wants to bow their knee except to Jesus, and that's the only one they should be bowing their knee to. But everybody wants to take a knee, take a knee, take a knee. I just wonder what would happen if all the televisions went off and no tickets were ever sold and we never watched it again. What if 240 million people shut their television off and said, we ain't going to watch it until you guys straighten up. But I really like to watch it, Pastor. I really, I mean, it's just basketball, but I like to do but what if you just said enough's enough? It, it, it gives me a bad taste in my mouth. I'm going to tell you, I'm like, it's like I can feel a dirty spirit on it. Because what they're doing is they're trying to use something that you enjoy, the activity of sports, and take it and force you to agree with them. That's what they're doing. It is manipulation. It is a demonic spirit. The whole thing is demonic. Are you not going to tell me the devil's not the one behind in the curtain pulling the deals and he's got some other people that he's orchestrated got in there that's listening to him? <coughs> that know he's the devil. Do you hear what I'm saying? See, there's a certain amount of people out there being influenced by the devil, but they don't know they're being influenced by the devil. They just are doing it because they think they've got a really good cause. And we need to march and we need to do this and we need to uphold this because they, they think they're doing it right, but they, they're, just, they're just stupid. They just don't know. They're being deceived. But then there's other people who do know they're talking to Beelzebub. They have his email. Uh-huh. And they're talking and they know it's the devil, but they don't care because they want the power that he offers. Those people, man, are the ones sometimes they need to be beat with rope. All right. So what we've got to do is all we can do is back up and say, wait a minute, I want to be in the right place. I'm going to get everything out of my house. I'm not going to watch. I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm not going to go along with this. I'm not going down that road. I'm sorry. I'm not going down the road. My heart is going to be pure towards the Lord, and I am not going to be wanting and desiring to watch this so much that I'm going to put up with it. Cut that baby off. You say, well, pastor, I don't know if that's really going to make any difference. It does between you and Jesus. Hear what I'm saying. I cannot, I, I don't know that I can get enough people to affect the ratings, but I do know that I can get your heart right with Jesus, and that counts to me more than anything else. As a pastor and talking to my sheep, I, I can just take you all before and say, I don't know about them nations, but I got this, I got this herd of sheep over here, Lord, and they're pure. They're without blemish. I don't know about them guys. And so I'm looking at y'all this morning. I'm looking at y'all out there this morning. And I'm saying, look, if we, if we start having radical revival within our own hearts and saying, I'm not putting up with that anymore. Listen to me, church. Forget about what the church has always pushed as the four big sins, drinking, dancing, smoking, and cussing. Turn the TV off may mean more than any of that other stuff. Of course, smoking and drinking ain't going to do you no good, okay? But I, what my point is, is I'm trying to say to you, quit looking at it as just this, the big number four and start asking the Holy Spirit in your heart, what is, is there anything in my life or in my house that's offensive to you? And get it out. Have your own riot in your own home. Do some book burning if you need to. 
get all of the old romance novels out and anything that doesn't honor God and put it out there. And say, well, you know, pastor, you're cutting. No, folks, listen to me. You better hear the Holy Ghost. You got to look deep and say, I'm not putting up. Because, folks, I'm telling you, it's in your face right now. It is not just about some little something happening off over in New York, somewhere off and say, I mean, you know, Yankees ain't got no sense up there. Just put it off. No, no, it's in your backyard. It's in your face. You have to make a choice. And our job is to riot and, revi- and have revival in our own house right now. And if there's any repenting to be done, I'm not repenting for something that happened hundreds of years ago. I'm repenting for what's going on in my own life right now today. I'm repenting for the fact that our nation, we've let it go to pot. I'm repenting that I've never been to Washington with 240 million other brothers to say, no, we're not going to do that. You know, I, 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 I see Maggie over there and, you know, we went, we made, we took trips to the Capitol and that flag back there flies because we went and protested on the abortion issues. But, you know, I hadn't been back in a few years. I'm just telling you, all of us have something to repent of. We have not been as vigilant as we have because we have an attitude out here. It doesn't touch us. We can just pull back, you know, play around in our garden and invent the better jerky maker, and we're okay. But we've got to look into our hearts. The very first thing we've got to do is repent, okay? Now, I'm going to... I'm going to stop because I'm going to, I'm going to stop at that because we're going to go into communion. But I have other things here about what things that we need to do that I'll just have to pick up next week. OK, because there's some other I have. I don't know. I don't know. I've got a lot here. It's looking like six, seven, eight. Ten more points of things that we can do. OK, but I, I just want to stop here because we're at a place right now that I believe that the Holy Spirit's challenged us because this is where we need to be. OK, now. This is what I want to tell you, okay, about repentance. You're at the best place in the world today in the place to have communion with the Lord. You have to understand what communion represents. For those of you out in uh, the viewing audience out there, you want to get your communion together right now, get it on your table right in there and get ready. Um, So as as we approach this communion table this morning, I just want to say a few things. Because I've been telling you we need to repent. We need to get our hearts right. We need to forgive. We need to do all these things that you already know about, all right? But we really need to be praying for the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our lives to show us, you know, things that we may be just overtly overlooking, right? I mean, I, honestly, the other day I flipped the channel on and there was a baseball game on. And I said to my wife, I said, I didn't think they were doing baseball. And so I started watching it and then... uh and then I, I, started, I said, wait a minute, something ain't right. I said, oh, well, there's nobody in the stands. You know, and so I watched this a little bit, and then they started showing signs, and then they started saying stuff. And I started hearing it, and I was like, what? That's not playing in the sanctuary of my house. I cut that baby off. Okay, because it was like, it was like I, felt, I felt it. Like it was the puppet show getting me enticed to come in to then jump on me. You know, it didn't, it, it didn't feel right. It felt like entrapment. So as we take communion this morning, you must understand what communion is. 
Do you know that this, these statistics I was looking up, that there's pastors are not preaching about the power of communion and what communion means. They're not talking about what repentance means. They're not talking about the coming of Jesus to get his bride. They're not talking about these things, okay? What they're talking about is just nicey-nicey to keep people happy. But I want to see you as healthy sheep. If you've ever tried to drench a sheep, they don't just sit there and say, oh, that's good, let me have a little more. Sometimes you got to get hold of them, pry their mouth open, and rub their arm, get them. I mean, it's not always fun, but it's going to help them. Hello? And so, you know, I'm kind of drenching you this morning. So what you have to understand is, is that Jesus cut a covenant with you through this communion. This is what he did. He cut a covenant with you through this communion. He said, I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to, my body is going to be broken for you. And I'm going to make a new covenant with you. And in that new covenant, all the sins are forgiven. But then he also says, you know, and in this cup, I'm not going to drink this cup until that day that you're back with me in my father's house. And so there was a time coming that Jesus is coming back to get us. It's the covenant. It's all a part of the covenant that we have our sins forgiven. We're right with God, but he's also coming back to get us. Do you hear me? This covenant is the guarantee that God's going to take care of you. I watched a show last night. I think you all could could all watch. Y'all may have already seen it and thought Pastor can't believe you hadn't seen it, but it was a it was it was on Amazon. I hate to even say that word, but it was. And it was called uh, Before the Wrath. And I thought, I wonder if that is a Christian film. And I thought, well, you know, well, what is this? You know, and I looked at it, looked it all up. Oh man, go watch it. It was good stuff. But it was talking about the marriage supper and what all takes place and tied all these scriptures in it. It was amazing. But listen to me. Part of the marriage supper, part of the marriage covenant being made between a, a, a man and, a, a, and his betrothed wife was that he handed her a cup. And she, if she wanted to marry him, she drank from the cup. And then that meant that they were eventually going to be united in marriage. But there was a year that took place before he actually came to get his bride. And he couldn't come back to get his bride until the father said. Sound familiar? Jesus says, no man knows the day and the time when he's come back. Only the father knows because the father is the one that said to the bridegroom, then go get your bride. But only the father knew when that was and only when everything was prepared, right? Only when everything's done. But the very first part of the covenant was the bride, the, the, the bridegroom gave the father of his future wife a dowry. But, you know, we've always thought that that meant because he was going to, uh, he was, you know, paying for her. But the truth of it, it was insurance. So if anything happened to him, he had money to take care of her because he loved her. Didn't I believe the scripture tells us that God gave us the Holy Spirit to be the guarantee in our life until he got back. And then he gave her a cup. And in the cup, he gave it to her. And then if she was going to accept this marriage, then she drank from the cup and then the covenant was completed and they were going to be married. But in a year, when the father said, after the son had prepared the house, after the son had built everything that he needed to, after he had gone forth and prepared everything, like Jesus says, oh, behold, I go to prepare a place for you. Hello? It was amazing, okay? 
But when I took the cup, the Holy Spirit said to me to remind y'all today that when you drink of this cup today, it's a part of a covenant that guarantees that he is going to protect you. He is going to be with you. So no matter what happens in this world, no matter what happens in the United States, no matter what goes on and if we become a goat nation, listen, God is still with us and he's still going to take care of us. Now, our circumstance and our situations may change because we can keep ourselves from the wrath of God, but you can't always keep yourself from the wrath of man. Okay? And I just want to see us delivered from the wrath of man also because we stay a sheep nation. But right now, I want you to understand God is with you. Hear me. God is with you. And as we take this communion this morning, we're going to do it a little differently because I'm going to serve communion to everybody out there watching. And then we're going to have communion, and I really feel impressed today. I want to serve you. I want to see your faces. I want to look in your eyes, and my wife and I are going to, are going to serve you. And if you're in the service here today, but you don't feel comfortable coming up and us giving you a piece of bread, uh, because I'm not going to, you know, I thought about wearing a hazmat suit, but I'm just not going to do it. I actually thought about getting two big palpation gloves and bring them up here like this. That would make y'all feel more comfortable. But I'm just believing God for the power of the Holy Spirit to take care of this whole thing. Okay? That's what happens when you come to a country church. So what I'm going to do is, is I'm, going to, uh, I'm going to serve everybody else, and then we're just going to come forward here in a minute. Because I know that the people out there watching and the broadcast are just as important as all of us in here because we need to touch them and there's no distance by spirit. And so, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. He took bread, simple loaf of bread. He blessed it and he gave it to his disciples and said, now take and eat for this is my body, which is broken for you. Church, Jesus went to the cross and his body was whipped and beaten so that we could have wholeness. We could be whole. Today, if you need to be whole in your body, it's right here in this bread. If you're sick at home, it's right here by faith in what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so, Lord, we thank you for what this bread represents and is by faith. Your broken body, Lord. So for all of those at home, all of those, if there's anybody here that you want to, you have an individual cup. So take the body of Christ now and eat it in Jesus' name. Then afterwards, he took the cup and he said, this cup, it's a new covenant. It's not the old covenant. It's not an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But the new covenant says, when you by faith, you ask me for forgiveness, I'll forgive you. It's a new covenant poured out in my blood for the forgiveness of our sins. That we can drink it and be right with him. Church, it's all about faith. It's all about faith. So for those of you out, take your cup now and drink. And be forgiven in Jesus' name. So, 
For those of you watching the broadcast, I just want to say God's with you. Tune in next week. Be here, and I want to finish this message up. God bless you, and just repent, and let the Holy Ghost lead you and guide you into all that he'd have for you. In Jesus' name, amen.